0: Hello and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. All right, friends, in this final episode of our series, Starting Strong, I'm going to talk to you about how to prepare yourself to coach, and I'm going to talk about some of the really specific things that you might do, resources you might gather, technical tips, And I am so excited to share all this with you because I just think it's fun. I also want to remind you that on our Instagram this month, aligning to this podcast series, we are offering a lot of content that's related and that supplements. So check it out because it's a fun feed we've got going on over there. Okay, before we get into this episode, I do want to shout out a friend of the show, Elizabeth from South Carolina. Thank you for being a friend of the show. Check out the show notes if you want to be a friend of the show. I also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our listener with the username M C 2020 who wrote, really amazing to witness Elena in action. I've been using these tools with my staff at a local nonprofit, and I can't say enough about how useful they have been, especially during this time of the pandemic personally fulfilled too after listening to this podcast amazing show thank you so much for that lovely review and the reminder that this podcast is not just for those working in schools so leaving a review helps us so much and it's super easy and it's free so consider popping over to apple podcasts and rating and reviewing this show all right friends Let's jump into this final episode of our mini-series. If you missed the previous ones, then you'll also find links to those in the show notes, and I encourage you to go back and listen to those. You could listen really in any order you want. So I want to talk to you about some of the logistics, some of the technical elements of coaching One of the questions I get a lot about coaching is actually about notebooks. How many notebooks do you have? What do you write down and so on. As you may know, I always take notes when I'm coaching and I capture what my client says, their words, not necessarily everything they say, maybe phrases or a key sentence. I want to be able to remember their words and not my interpretation of their words. So notebooks, when I had between four and eight clients and I worked in the school district and I went around to different schools, I had a notebook for each of my clients. I wanted to be able to sort of keep their stories in separate notebooks. And so I would carry around these notebooks and then grab the one that was relevant for the client I was seeing When I coached more than eight people, and when I was coaching many people in one school, it just kind of became logistically cumbersome for me to have separate notebooks. So then I would have two or three clients in one notebook. So obviously this decision has to do with some of your logistics, how many clients you have, how many different places you have to move around. If you are coaching virtually, then it can be a lot easier, obviously, if you are just sitting in front of your computer in your office. I do take notes by hand. I don't like to be focused on a computer, whether I'm in person with someone or coaching them virtually. So I do go for handwritten notes. Also, there's a lot of research on the way that you remember more when you write things down by hand. And so that also influences my decision. I want to just remind you actually jump over to our Instagram page. You'll see photos of my favorite notebooks and the pens that I use. I love these little notebooks by Fabriano that you can lie down flat because they have a spiral binding. So jump over there to see some of my favorite personal resources. One other little thing for me to mention here on notebooks. I am very mindful of confidentiality. I have a big fear of losing a notebook and having it be discovered and having someone open it and read things that I've written about someone. So I never put anyone's name on or in a notebook. Sometimes I use initials or I reverse initials, but I'm just really, really careful. Just be thoughtful about your notebooks and where you leave them and who might find them and what you write in them. If you are traveling around to schools, or you are in a school get yourself some pens that you like one of the little tips here related to pens I really like to have two different pens each of a different color I really like paper mate ink joy gel pens I just like the way they flow I use one color for jotting down what my client is saying and the other color occasionally to make notes about what I'm hearing. So maybe in the margins, I'll jot down a question that I might want to follow up with. Or maybe I make a little note like, hmm, if I'm using the coaching lenses, I might make a note like, hmm, questions about the inquiry lens. So the coaching lenses are described in chapter four of the Art of Coaching. If you're not sure what I'm referencing, that can be really helpful. Now, here's another tip. I often encourage coaches to have their own resources for coaching paper clipped in their clients' notebooks. Or if you're coaching from your office or something, then in front of you or in front of your computer, maybe on the wall or on the screen. So have the tools, the resources that you find helpful as a coach, like maybe the sentence stems or maybe the four phases of transformational coaching. I describe that in Coaching for Equity, as well as in the Art of Coaching workbook. That might be really helpful to have in front of you to remind you of the different phases of coaching. Again, check out the links in our show notes for these resources. Have the resources with you in front of you, even if you're meeting with people in person. Because let's say you're in a coaching conversation in person with a client, and your client says something, and you have that moment of like, oh, I don't know what to say. What's the best question for me to ask in response? This happens to all of us. It still happens to me. And you're like, yeah, Lena has that long list of coaching sentences, and I can't remember any of them. So You can say to your client, give me just a moment. I want to take in what you shared, and I also want to consult my resources. And then go ahead, open up your notebook, pull out the one list, you know, the one pager of coaching stems, and select something to say. There is nothing wrong with doing that. By doing that, you're actually demonstrating your commitment to coaching, your commitment to your client. You are saying, I don't remember every single coaching stem and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to use my resources. It's not a big deal. And then you might look at your sentence stems and see one that's a really good question and your client will recognize that, appreciate it. Because we all love a good question. Now, of course, if you are coaching from a computer virtually, then you can put your sentence stems on the wall in front of you or on your computer screen, but have your resources. Maybe you wanna have the concept of the gaps in front of you to remind you to think through that framework. Another thing that I like to do, I coach a lot from my home office on Zoom. And so in front of me on my wall, I have quotes and images that remind me of who I want to be, of my vision for myself as a coach. Sometimes I put my word for the year on the wall in front of me or my core values to remind me of that aspiration for my way of being. And that's what I talked about in the first episode of this series, identifying a vision for yourself for this school year. You can also put those kinds of reminders in your coaching notebooks. One last set of things that I find invaluable to have in my notebooks for my clients. It's sort of who my client is. So I include their core values because that's who they want to be. I include their Myers-Briggs type because I find that invaluable. You can read more about using Myers-Briggs in the Art of Coaching workbook. I include my client's professional goals so that I can remember this is what they are trying to do to become, and then before I meet with each client, I pull out that notebook, and as part of my preparation, I review their goals, their core values, their Myers-Briggs type, The things that help me anchor in who the client is and who they want to be. All right. Speaking of preparation, when you are planning and you are looking at your calendar and scheduling your coaching conversations, also hold time for your preparation. Even 10 minutes makes a big difference and hold time for you to reflect afterwards. Even five minutes makes a big difference. This is something else I write about in the Art of Coaching and the Art of Coaching workbook. It makes a huge, just try it for a couple of weeks and you'll see how different the quality of your conversations are, the impact you have when you spend 15 minutes preparing and five minutes reflecting afterwards. So as you start Calendaring for this school year, consider the transition time between work blocks and plan time to prepare and to reflect. If you have more time to prepare and you can get more strategic about creating a coaching conversation plan, you will also see tremendous impact. All right, now on the topic here of planning and calendaring, you might be wondering. Ideally, how often do I coach my client? How often should I schedule? I would say at a minimum, an hour a week, every week. That is really the minimum to see the kind of impact that we're after. Now, how long should that session be? I just said maybe an hour. You know, it could be a little bit longer. Maybe you have classroom observations as well. Maybe some of that time is looking at data, lesson planning, and so on. But really, the time is connected to what the goals are for the coaching partnership. What are they working on? So make the decision about time as well as about what happens based on the goals. And to talk about the goals for a coaching conversation, we're going to need to go back to the episode that I did where I talked about getting clear with your principal, or your school or district on what is coaching? What is the purpose? How do we evaluate whether coaching is effective? This has to do with what are the goals for clients, for teachers? So I am taking what might be a simple, logistical, how often do I meet with my clients, and asking you to also think more broadly. Well, in part, that depends on what are the goals of the coaching partnership and the coaching program. So back to that bigger picture. We are all doing work that is a part of a system and part of many structures, and those need to be looked at and sometimes aligned as well. Check out the Art of Coaching workbook for more on these topics. And also remember to go over to our Instagram page and see what we've got going on in relationship to this series. So folks, I hope that this episode has helped you think a little bit about how to plan your Time, how to prepare yourself, how to get your tools together. I hope that this series has set you up to start strong and have a fantastic year. I hope that I will be a part of this year. I hope that you'll be listening to this podcast. We got a lot of really great content planned. I hope that I'll see you in one of our learning experiences. If you have not participated in the Art of Coaching 101, that would be a great place to start. Make sure you get my newsletter because that's the place to find out about upcoming free webinars and other resources. And, you know, I just hope you have a really powerful year. I hope you can live into that vision of who you want to be and what kind of year you want to have. If you have found this episode helpful, would you share it with a friend? And I hope you take good care of yourself. I want to thank Leslie Bickford, who is the podcast producer, Producer, and Stacey Goodman, who is the sound engineer. Take care, everyone, and be well.